Here we are, the birthplace of Dr. Martin Luther King, prayed out of Syria, right? The blackest city in America, and pastors and and, and, and everybody, we, uh, all these stars and and, and and all the entertainment and, and, and state reps, and it just it just hard to get support. It seems like it's just some about their support, voting right, their support, everything. But when it comes to police brutality, they, they, oh, they, they hide. Everybody hide. They hide from that. Yeah, yeah, they hide. It's like so many of them sold they sold for a few pieces of silver. Come on now. Yeah, and a lot on a lot of them should be manipulated, controlled by the president power of the white supremacy. So, yeah, pastors don't want to preach about it. They don't want to preach about uh, uh, police brutality. You have uh, people trying to sugarcoat it. Here we are, our ancestors sacrificed. Mm. They bled, they got hung, they got shot, they got raped. Every, every could, which kind they sacrificed. Even little Ruby Bridges, when she had to face what she faced. Mm. And, and, and we don't have them type of leaders. What leaders? We have the real leaders. And we got to just show the world, we got to show everybody, no, we're not, we fight for our love, we're not, we're not going to bag now. And, and the other thing that we have to remember is the most important and powerful uh, movements have been from the ground up, not from the top down. Yeah, you're right. At the top, they are, you know, they're comfortable. They they don't want to compromise their comfortability, right? So with us on the ground, we the ones we've been waiting for. Good evening, everybody. My name is Roxanne Johnson. My son's name was Jamal Bird. He was killed by Metropolitan Police October 1st, 2019. I'm here with my lovely co-host, LaToya. Good evening, Laura LaToya. How's everything going? Great to have you. It feels like normal. You're back. <laughs> I'm so, oh, so happy Roxanne, to be here. Roxanne, Yes, you're back. <laughs> You guys, good evening. My name is Latoya Benton. I am the mother of the beautiful Xavier Hill. Xavier was killed at the age of 18 by two Virginia State Troopers. Um, tonight, we have a very, very, very special podcast. As you know, we like to sometimes uh, veer off from the normalcy of bringing to you all the stories of impacted families. I am honored to be joined by a panel of boots to the ground people. Um, and delegates uh, here who are currently serving office uh, throughout different areas, not just Virginia. We got, um, well, let's just get started. Joy, do you want to go ahead and get an intro of yourself, please? Absolutely. Thank you, LaToya, for that. Blessings, everybody. My name is Shalicia Ward. I'm a well-known activist here in the Commonwealth of Virginia, advocate, full-time healthcare worker, former candidate for Virginia House of Delegates, and now Democratic nominee for state Senate in the 25th District. So shout out to that. Um, a lot of people know me as far as my journey starting and just in activism and prior to politics alone, when uh, my friend was killed when I was 17 years old by a police officer. And I started off after well, I was triggered by what happened to George Floyd and reaching out and helping his family fight for justice. Just know that that journey has led me from that point all the way till here as the Democratic nominee for state Senate in the 25th district. So I look forward to having this very much needed important conversation with all of you on the significance of important and uh, the important significance of voting and why it is very important and crucial for all of us to not only get involved but stay involved. All right, all right, Joy. Who do you want to pass the mic to for the next intro? Absolutely. And then let's go ahead and pass the mic to delegate Jackie Glass. Uh, good evening. I am Delia Jackie Glass, currently representing the 89th District of the House of Delegates in the Commonwealth of Virginia down in the Norfolk Hampton Roads. 
um, area. Listen, I, as you move up, I just have to say this, as you, as you shift in this world, sometimes as you move up, you get, you know, lose clarity at the bottom, right? You lose clarity. So we rely on being connected and staying connected to folks. So I'm grateful to be here. Um, grateful to Toya and, and Roxanne for allowing us to sort of stay connected in a way that we can continue to do some good work. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. You want to pass the mic to Jackie? I'll pass it to James. Hello, everyone. My name is James D. Simone. I am a civil rights lawyer. I am not running for office, but I admire those who are putting themselves on the line by doing that because that's where real change comes. But I've been a political activist as well as a civil rights lawyer for over 30 years, have been navigating, litigating these issues of qualified immunity, represent numerous protesters who were injured here in California in the George Floyd protest. We still have a local city council and city attorney's office who are protecting those officers who injured people for violating their First Amendment rights. And um, I'm here just to add what I can in terms of uh, maybe providing some clarity. We saw the call for abolishing qualified immunity when millions of people across the country are marching in the streets in honor of George Floyd and against police brutality. But um, we're still fighting because qualified immunity has not been abolished and that still should be part of the equation. It deprives people of justice unfairly. It's not in the Constitution and it has got to go. Hmm. Absolutely. Who do you want to pass the mic to? Uh, the one person left. J. Cole. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, good evening, everyone. I am Delegate Joshua Cole. I formerly represented the 28th House District, which is based in the city of Fredericksburg in Stafford County. And I am now running for re-election in the brand new 65th District. When I served in the House of Delegates, I was on the House Public Safety Committee. So during the George Floyd time where I met Jalicia, where I had the honor under you know negative circumstances of meeting Miss um, Toya, uh, I was serving on that special committee, on that special session that was dealing with uh, police issues and COVID issues. Um, and so I'm excited to be here tonight to talk about voting rights and what we, what you can do as empowered citizens to make change in your community. Absolutely. And now we still, be, uh, I think Adrian's going to join us as well too later on too. So I'm saying you want to kind of kick us off and get it started? So I, you know, I appreciate our politicians, but uh, I want to know how can we get rid of this qualified immunity? What can we do legislatively? You know, we couldn't get it done on the uh, national level, but what we, can we do maybe on the state levels to abolish this? Well, qualified immunity doesn't apply to state laws protecting civil rights. So, I mean, in California, we have a very flawed civil rights law. We worked very hard to change it, to make it fair, to mirror the federal law, except for, except for not having qualified immunity. And we were right there. And then in the middle of the night, in a budget committee meeting, they had the police decertification bill and all of the hard work we put in, they just took it out of the law, changing our civil code, which would have better protected people here in California. You know, it's hard for people to believe because we have this reputation to being so liberal out here, but California's civil rights laws actually serve to protect people less than the federal laws. But we still now are moving the cases through to, to state court because qualified immunity is just, it's a crapshoot. It depends on what judge you're going to get. You could get a judge that doesn't believe in it, and then you get to proceed to a trial. 
You get a judge who believes in it, they're going to cut your case out and you don't get to go to trial and it deprives you of rights. So I would encourage everyone who's on the state level to see, I mean, you all are in Ohio or, or Virginia. I went to college in Baltimore, Maryland, so I have fond memories of that East Coast, just not the humidity. But um, the, you know, at the at the state level, you know, what are the state laws that protect people? Because if attorneys like me in your own states can prosecute these cases in state court, we'd actually rather be in state court sometimes than in federal court with the way the federal system uh, works. So you know, to have an understanding of what those state laws are and to see if people are protected and to not have the hurdles. I mean, in California, you were talking, Roxanne, before we got on, two years to be able to prosecute a case. Well, in California, unless you file your government tort claim within six months, you know, your claim for damages, you can't file in state court. So it's a trap for the unwary. It's a hurdle. It's a BS thing. Oh, we're supposed to encourage settlement. No, it's it's a roadblock to justice. That's what it is. So just being aware of what the state laws are. And, and I think just philosophically that what we want, you know, what, what we have found through the National Police Accountability Project, there is a national agency of lawyers that has a listserv. So if folks are impacted in their communities, the lawyers are listed on a referral service under the National Police Accountability Project. We all share ideas and everything. Um, in, in, in those situations, um, you really want to thematically, you don't want to attack the police. We need, we all want a professional police force. We all want to feel safe in our communities. We all want a police force that's going to protect families, but just not a police force which protects families because of the color of their skin. And then if someone happens to be African-American, they're seen as the other or the enemy. And you have situations like the recent 16 year old kid who's in handcuffs in the back of a police car for taking out the trash in front of his house. I'm sure you, you may have seen that. that go saw back. that recently, yeah, with that. Over and over again. And the difference is skin color. And I'm, you know, it's, it's just, um, it, it, it's wrong, but when we emphasize that we want a good, a professional police force that protects families and professional police that respect our civil rights, I think that those are the types of themes that can resonate, um, you know, to, in, in our communities because everybody wants to feel safe in their communities. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now I see uh, Joshua you're shaking your head as well. Um, before I have you rebuttal to him, um, I want to introduce, I think Adrian just jumped on the call as well. My Yes, yes, Miss Hood is here. Um, real fast, you guys, I want to also give a brief introduction to Adrian Hood. She is also running in um, Ohio as well. Her son was also killed by the police. Um, I don't want to step on her toes. Adrian, can you please give us a brief intro of who you are and what seat you're running for? Good evening. Good evening. Um, I apologize that my other meeting ran late. And um, unlike the times of COVID, it was actually in person. <laughs> so so um, I, I do apologize for uh, my tardiness. Um, yes, I am from Columbus, Ohio. Uh, my son, Henry Green V, was killed by Columbus police June 6th of 2016. Two plainclothes police officers, unmarked vehicle, Florida tags, um, tenant windows who did not identify um, themselves. Um, and as many stories go, um, especially in this country, there was um, no indictment and also um, no accountability 
because uh, I choose not to use the word justice uh, when it comes to these situations because we cannot get that um, because you can't give me my child back. So accountability um, was failed um, for my family again um, after two, uh, two civil trials. And um, just from, you know, the, the unfortunate tragedy of my son uh, getting more involved um, in the community and learning a lot of the things that I have over the last um, seven years. Um, I am not one that constantly uh, complains about the problem without trying to do something about it. Um, and hence, I am now running for uh, city council. We are, this is our first year uh, of doing a districts, um, a districts of sorts, if you will, because um, as I learned last night, I can uh, beat my opponent, which is an incumbent um, in our district. Uh, but if he beats me uh, citywide, then he will be the one to uh, take that seat. And so lots of work to be done. Uh, November the 7th is uh, election day. And so we are uh, just out here uh, getting in the community, um, getting volunteers and just getting around as much as we can uh, to make a change here in Columbus. And thank y'all. Adrian. Of course, of course. And uh, as you got on the question of the conversations about the importance of voting. So um, Josh, I want you to go ahead and chime in. I saw you shaking your head and he, he was speaking as well. Can you kind of kind of go in and uh, chime in on that as well, please? Yeah, I think I think James is key. Another aspect that we have to make sure is that we're having these conversations in our communities. Um, so I was hit hard in re-election about the defund the police and um, you know the qualified immunity vote that I took during the special election special session. And um, I remember having a conversation with one of the sheriffs in our community. And he said, you know, I'm still supporting you. I'm still backing you. But this qualified immunity thing is going to be a problem for you. And I said, well, I think it was the messaging around qualified immunity that hurt me because people don't really understand what the vote took place. So you had the police and the sheriff's association that was saying that passing qualified immunity was going to cause police officers individually and sheriff's deputies individually to be sued and their house to be taken and whatever have you. I said, whoa, 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 hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. If you go to Walmart and you slip and fall on the wet floor and an employee forgot to put the sign up that said wet floor, who do you sue? And the sheriff was like, oh, I sue Walmart. You Sorry. don't sue the employee, you sue Sorry. Walmart. And so the what we're trying to do is make sure that these police departments are held accountable for some of the actions. And mind you, watch this, even with qualified immunity, my opponent who is a police officer is able to FOIA my office for my documents, but we can't FOIA <laughs> his record. Now, wow. What do you have to hide? So he can FOIA me as a public elected official, but we can't FOIA his information and his police record. And so we wanna make sure that our police officers who are sworn in to protect and serve are doing exactly that. They are fighting for the community, protecting the community. And as they always say, all cops hate a bad cop. Well, if you do, help us hold them accountable and keep them to charge on what's going on. But it begins with us having these conversations in our community. And so we've seen how numerous Democratic-led initiatives have not passed this bill. 
Um, but you can start having conversations with, as I say, Lottie Dottie and everybody them. You start having conversations with mom and them. You start having conversations at the churches. You start having conversations with the civic organizations. And then you explain to the elected officials and many of the elected officials know what the bill says. They're just afraid of the pushback. And what we need is elected officials with courage, elected officials who know what it means that lives are gonna be impacted if they don't vote on legislation that improves our communities. Um, and so ultimately at the end of the day, we need to have these conversations in our kitchens, in our cookouts, at every location, even in barbershop, we need to have these conversations. Absolutely. Now, Jackie, when it comes to the same uh, conversations about qualified immunity, how do you feel about that? I look, I was looking at James had his hand like he was about to. <laughs> oh, I didn't even see, I'm sorry. I'll just be real brief. I just wanted to point out one thing that Josh said that really struck me. In every single situation where someone hurts somebody and they're employed by a company, that company is responsible under what's called respondeat superior in the course and scope of employment, not police officers. City entities are not responsible for what the police officers do wrong unless you can show that it's part of a pattern in practice. And that they that basically that that's and so the hurdle is just that much higher. So the the fact is is that qualified immunity does not protect police officers because in every state those police officers are going to be indemnified for any damages that are against them. What it does protect is the city entities and the police forces from any accountability in civil law and totally undermines the ability to get a justice. Well, sorry about calling it justice or, you know, and I, I appreciate what you were saying, Adrian, with, you know, there really is no justice when someone's lost a family member. I, I'm sorry for everyone's loss here, but some semblance of accountability. So the police agencies get a different standard and they and they really have they're protected on both ends and it's just unfair. And we have to explain that so that people can hopefully um, make good choices when they're in those uh, meetings as you were in to, in, in that pressure. That, thank you. Me. <laughs> Go ahead, I'm sorry. I was gonna, I, I just okay. wanted to make that, that no, decision because not everyone, you know, not everyone knows it. I just thought it was important, but yeah. No, it is important. I think part of it, and this is coming from, I will say I'm 18, almost 18 months on the job, right? And prior to this, I didn't do any party, nothing. It just wasn't, I did people, people politics, if that makes any sense. And I feel like, you know, being in party politics has allowed me to do policy better for people, but I've held in my hands, at least being a come, come here, not a from here, from in Virginia, um, what our legislator has looked like over, let's just say the past 10 years and everybody's at fault. <laughs> You know, it doesn't matter whether you're at DRR, everybody is, is is at fault in some sense of just not getting it done for our people, whatever respective vision or respective values. The thing about quality to qualified immunity, and I, I can say over the past two years working with police, police chiefs associations and working with the sheriffs and, and the Commonwealth's attorneys and, you know, challenging each other on what something is as simple as how we interrogate youth is that we are making the assumption that officers are working in good faith, right? Like, right. When we talk about uh, there's this good faith element to things and, and we can really say the vast majority of folks are probably operating in good faith, but it is those that one. it only takes one time for them not to. 
to really sort of muck it up for everybody. And so when we talk about like having conversations with people, having conversations with community, um, there's also holding in my hands as a legislator that that is very difficult because faith requires trust, right? And trust requires some level of funding accountability, some level of funding justice to an, ex to an extent. And so as we like hold this next iteration, I'm holding my breath too to see what our legislator is gonna look like in this next iteration. Cause I've only operated from the, from the point of not, uh, not having enough friends on my side to get the things I wanted to get done done. Like that's the only place that I've come from. Um, that it is really going to take, uh, I think um, Mr. Cole said it, it's like, there is a level of boldness that has to happen. And, and it, it, it sucks. I'm just telling you as a, as a legislator, having some of those organizations come in my office and really come with a vengeance. Like, like I just, I'm trying to take tools from police. I'm trying like, and that's really what I'm, I say, hey, you know, I just don't want y'all to use fake documents. What you trying to take tools from police? <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but the, the funny, not the funny, the interesting thing about these sorts of things is what I've often find with working with law enforcement um, organizations is that we find a place where we agree, but we will divulge, they, they will, we will sort of divide when they feel like we are taking something away from officers. And I say, we live in an age where we, we can just ask them to do better. If the law is, can we just, and I don't think that there's any asking anymore. Can we make the law gel with the fact that we we, we have to go beyond good faith? And, and I don't necessarily have a clear answer to what that looks like, uh, or what it looks like. I know what it looks like, but getting that done. Um, and there's work, I think, it starts on our, our local, really, really on the, with our local police departments and building up, at least that's where my heart is in the work. While as I am a state official, that there is work that I got to do with my own chief of police, and with how they show up in communities of my neighbors, my constituents, my friends. I think part of uh, being that, you know, Xavier got killed by the state police and I have encountered different um, delegates, like you guys who are on the panel right now uh, throughout my journey. Uh, I do appreciate the ones who have been bold enough to stand up and say, you know, what is right. As I'm reading the comments where people are saying, you know, people who are in office, they do have the power to make change. And yes, we understand that they have, like you said, Jackie, there has to be funding and power push behind that. Um, I think part of the issue too is that we allow people to be in office for such a long period of time who aren't doing nothing for the community at all. And instead of us voting them out, we allow them to sit in office and keep doing the same thing over and over and over and over again. We know they have no good intentions for the community. Uh, so when it comes to voting and topic at hand, what do you guys think is the issue when it comes to these, uh, we have these delegates who sit in office, right? And they're in office uh, for 10, 20, 30 years. And keep in mind, you know, I think like this, Jim Crow, that wasn't too long ago, right? I'm on, I'm about to push 40, but I know that like that was, it wasn't that long ago as far as the years are concerned. So I know, I know the mindset is still the same with that. How do we change even the mindset of the community to understand? People will say, why well, don't I need to vote? It, it's pointless. They'll say people who are in office, you guys get in office, you get the big head, you beat you up, you know, you're a celebrity and stuff, y'all. You got people like that, y'all know what I'm talking about. And they want to get on the cameras and they have no intentions for the community. So how do we begin to change the narrative with the community to understand the importance of voting, 
and why we have to vote. Come on, come on, somebody, look. Somebody, jump on in here. I'll, I'll start this one I'll, off. Go ahead. Um, the first time I ran for office, I lost by 73 votes in a historical Republican district that everyone told me I was not going to stand a chance. And we lost by 73 votes. That's one neighborhood. The same year, one of my colleagues who I served in the House of Delegates with, her vote was at a complete tie. It was literally neck and neck, tied and tied. And the only way she lost her election was because whenever there's a tied vote in Virginia, they have to pull a name out of a bucket. They pulled the Republican opponent's name out of the bucket and we both lost that year. And so both my election and her election are a direct consequence of people who say, my vote doesn't matter. And to anyone who's watching this video today, I want you to understand that if your vote didn't matter, they wouldn't be fighting so hard to keep you from voting. We're looking at Richmond, we're looking at Chesapeake, we're looking at different localities who are now, even though these are democratic leaning cities, the electoral board are controlled by Republicans because we have a Republican governor and they are rolling back early voting locations in predominantly black and low income communities. And they are snatching away Sunday early voting opportunities. Again, I implore you, if your vote didn't matter, why are they fighting so hard to keep your vote away from you? One of the first things Governor Yunkin did when he got into office, we have um, the restoration of rights. You have to get your restoration of rights. If you were a returning citizen, you have to mm -hmm. petition the governor to get your rights restored. The first thing that Governor Yunkin did when he got into office is he implemented a board to review each person's request for the restoration of rights. This is a direct attack on black and brown people's voting rights because he knows he can pan pick three friends of his to, to approve these requests. And again, I implore you, if your vote did not matter, they would not be attacking so hard to keep you from voting. And so I'll put it like this and I'm done, but you may not care about politics, but your landlord does, and that's how they keep your rent high. You may not care about politics, but your health insurance does. That's how they keep your premiums high. You may not care about politics, but your boss does, and that's how they keep your payload. Everyone around you cares about politics, and they command and control your life, and you don't care about politics, and so you sit under their thumb and their control. But the moment we pull ourselves together, the moment we mobilize our communities like we did in 2020 and we show up in mass like we did in 2020 and last year in 2022, we show them that together we are more powerful and that we do care about our rights and you will not take our rights away. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else want to chime on that as well? Can I absolutely. Uh, else want to go and I, i'll definitely um but i'll definitely piggyback off of um josh cole and I, i'm gonna start off by saying this because i'm going right up because i am speaking right after cole and everything that he said is 100 accurate um so just fun fact the very first time i met uh former delegate joshua cole was through you latoya when i was assisting your family through your process of justice and so and I still have this original email that I, I that I sent to you, Cole, um, <laughs> uh, asking for your assistance when I realized that Latoya was in your district, right? 
So when we talk about the importance of voting, you know, um, Joshua Cole stepped up and did what he had to do to assist your family and other people here in Virginia. So it, personally, for me, I, and I'm very, very, very vocal about this. I, I'm very vocal about one, the power of legislation in a bill. And the reason why it is so important to vote, to get involved, to stay involved is because what happens when my resources as an activist lose their seats, right? The very first legislation that I ever, ever fought for was assisting the family of my friend who was killed by a police officer when I was only 17 years old. And my journey started because the police station wouldn't release me a criminal investigation file. And this, this, this case has been closed for over 15 years, but they utilized the law to not release it to this family. So for me, not only was I so appalled, but it was like, we have to change this law, right? We cannot just allow, not just the family that I'm assisting, but families in Virginia um, to be stripped away from transparency and honesty of what really happened to their loved ones after they've already had to bury them. So fighting to switch this law and we, and, and, and it worked, right? I worked with Delegate Chris Hurst and we were able to change the law so families in Virginia can get criminal investigation files once the criminal investigation is closed. And then you turn around and now I'm, help, I'm able to help several families. And that's when I talk about voting, when I'm saying I am working with delegates and state senators who are doing the work that you were out there protesting for, rallying for, families that you care about, families that you have. They, these legislators are the ones that are pushing laws to make sure that we can help people in masses. They have to keep their seats. They have to. If they lose their seats, I cannot be an activist in Virginia. I cannot do this job properly. These are my resources. These are my connections to help us get to this next level. And so I want people to understand, even the gentleman who lost his seat, when I had a family reach out to me because one of the police stations here in Virginia wasn't cooperating with releasing a record, it was so easy for him to make a phone call. Hey, this law has been mended. This law has been changed. You know, please release those records to this family and for us to just pay the fee. But just know after 2021, he was not reelected into his seat. And when I had that next family reach out, I no longer had that resource that could help them. So I'm personally vocal about just sharing with communities the power of a bill and legislation and why it is so important to vote because voting it and 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 being a part of the people in power that are really doing this work, this grassroots work that's helping our communities, you have to you have to keep them in your, their seats. They have to be reelected every single time because these are the people that truly care and that are helping us heal, that are giving us transparency, fighting for honesty. And so, you know, that's my way always of just explaining it to me. Like, if you like the work that I do and that Delegate Glass does and Josh Cole does and you support this work, then you have to vote. And not just vote, figure out ways to get involved and help candidates like ourselves so that way we make sure that we stay in these seats long-term so we can continue doing this with all of you. It was um, part of the fight and it was the education portion of it. Um, just like you said, when you have to be able to correlate, like you said, you got to take the protests and the beyond protests and, and because we're protesting for a reason, right? Um, mm -hmm. A lot of times we'll go out and protest and we just do, that's all we know is the protest because that's what we see, we think and that's what gets a job done. But I think knowing the protest and then to go beyond that and to find the delegates who are out here 
You got the Adrian Hoods who are here who have lost their sons to the police and they are trying to get into office. We need all the community support behind people just like that in order to make change. It, it goes hand in hand, but I think a lot of that has to go with educating the community. Um, like I said, again, people really will tell you they become uh, one of the defensivized to voting or to police brutality because they see no change happen. But I think as with any um, story, there's always a production team in the background who's doing work, right? And you got people who are on the forefront, that's where the show goes on, but people in the background doing the work that the show that don't want. We don't put the power behind those people to push what's really going on on the scene. And, 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 to, and to, I'm sorry, and to be really, really clear, um, we talk about this often as that um, voting is just one tool in the toolbox, right? But we need to use all the tools. Most states have, in addition to being able to use the power of your vote, they have lobby days where you can actually go to the state legislature and talk to the people that you voted into office and hold them accountable, find out where they stand on each and every bill that's coming up on during that legislative um, season, find out where they stand on those things. And if they're not standing where you want them to stand, help them to push them to where you want them to stand. By what? Using the power of your vote. Tell you a story because when you don't use the power, then they don't. You can stand and yell and and scream and and um march all you want, but unless you use the power, like like we're saying, of your vote to back up what you what you're yelling about, you're just yelling in the air, really, truly. Somebody tell us, um, somebody who's on, on the panel here because. Uh, Jay Cole knows that I have blown up his uh, text message plenty of times asking him the same, what day is Barbie Day? How can I go up there? And he knows I wanted to bring a whole mob to the assembly. He knew. And he was like, well, you might not want to do that. Well, I'm like, why not? Because I was going to bring the whole community down here. But I think a lot of times, too, just educating people. He knows because I, I was like, in the middle of the night, I'm texting him, getting them like, listen, what I got to do next? But I think um, I want somebody to explain this as well, too. What does Robbie Day mean? Can someone kind of break that down as well, please? Robbie Day is an opportunity. Um, it, let me say this too, that lobbying is something that we all do. <laughs> like we all do. You know, my kids lobby me every day for something, right? Um, it lobbying comes from the word of in the UK parliament where they would come out of the house, the, the house parliament, people would be standing inside of the lobby and they would be asking, waiting for their, their, their representative to show up just to ask them questions. So when we look at Richmond, right, we'll just say in, in Virginia, when, we, when folks come up to the Capitol with their purpose, their vision, their questions, their answers, and all the things, that is an opportunity for them to meet us where we are. And, and tell us their thing. You have the opportunity to do that at the local level too, right? You can, you can lobby your local, local elected officials as well. Um, what's important, I think, to sort of underscore, uh, lobbying is for whoever it's accessible to, right? Getting to everybody can't get to the capital, that's real. So lobbying can be over the phone, it can be a Zoom call, it can be, I caught you in a grocery store, what's up? It can be all of that. Um, I think, 
it's also important to underscore what Miss Roxanne, she, you said the word power so many different times, power, 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 like you have the power. And it, and it is very difficult to understand what that power is when it isn't galvanized, right? When you feel like you're in it, but you're by yourself, it's very difficult to get accountability when you don't know what you're holding people accountable for. I think in this little bit of time that I've been elected, people have no idea what my role is for them. And I don't say that that's wild. I mean, I had an 81 year old woman say, this is the first time I voted for delegate and I vote every year where I knew what you do. Um, because what we do legislating is a very small portion of the work that we do. It's, it's really a tiny piece. And Jalisa hit it earlier about the ripple effects of having people of, of advocating to your people, lobbying to your representative, but also doing the thing of keeping the people that you feel will be of service to you. So when we talk about talking to your the power company or uh, checking on your person, your, 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 your son, your uncle, your mama, your cousin in the Department of Corrections, when we talk about, again, restoration of rights, like there's all these other things that improve your quality of life that we can be a conduit to helping. Like nobody cares about Jackie Glass. They don't. Nobody give a damn about Jackie Glass. But when the delegate shows up, they're like, let me answer that call. And so like recognizing that like we're normal, regular ass people, like I'm a regular person, delegate is my Excalibur and I'm wielding it for this community for as long as I have it. And as a first toy, you said this as a first generation post Jim Crow <laughs> person, right? Exactly. That's what we are. Yeah. First generation. We have to be, uh, I think wins look different for our generation, and we have to be really meticulous about celebrating those small wins to help people understand that the progress that we're trying to get, it is incremental. It doesn't feel good all the time that we're not getting the big, like we didn't get all of it done. But let me tell you this little thing that we did that's going to lead to the next thing, because I, I feel like especially as a as a black person in this space and place right that we don't get enough wins <laughs> we just we get to, we get to watch as like we get to beat ourselves up and see just mr james mentioned it earlier <clears throat> excuse me on social media seeing the young man in handcuffs right there's so many l's that were taken that we got to hear those stories that Jalicia is talking about. We have to hear that we like, we have to hear those stories of those small wins and how they lead to bigger ones and how it is not just uh, a responsibility. It is our duty um, to stand in that gap as elected officials, as your representative. And I'm going to leave with this because I'm talking a lot. We live in a constitutional democratic republic. And I need to people understand that means we're not a democracy, friends. We're not. We have a document that says, we will pick the people that will represent us in making choices as to how we run our spaces and places. Um, and far as I remember, every election is determined by the people that show up. Every last one of them. And so like, I'm hoping that we can go from it being a solitary thing to a communal thing for the smaller wins because none of us can change the world, but we could definitely do some damage in our corner of the world. That's right. I think, I think there's issues right now where, you know, we're fo focusing on the social justice issues with police, but, you know, because the uh, right wing is just, you know, denying their own, uh, what, what they say they're for and, and wanting to bring government into our lives with, you know, cutting off reproductive freedom by banning books, 
by you know um, not allowing you know by by having but but like giving freedom to people who are criminals to have guns and not protect not using common sense gun control to keep our children safe in in, in the schools the investment in our communities I mean the ideas of climate change which concerns scares the crap out of young people like what planet am I going to have you know in in 20 30 50 years um you know all of these um issues kind of um overlap and merge to where if you if if somehow the message can be it's it's not just you're running on police accountability and I know you're all not I've looked at some of your websites all of you have incorporated some of this stuff that I'm talking about so I don't mean to tell anybody what they should be doing I I you know you're all you're all doing it but just in terms of everyone who wants to make a change and be involved, we've got to connect the dots that the, the people who are for working families and protecting working families and protecting safety and allowing an investment into our future so that we have a safe planet for our children and our grandchildren to live on are united in, in, in this. And the individuals who you all are opposing are more concerned with just retaining their power and not protecting those families. And the more that those dots could be connected to show that there are broader issues that not only impact us just in our community, but impact our, our whole um, way, way of life. Um, I think that, you know, though, because look, look what just happened in Ohio, you know, and, and what happened in Kansas on the reproductive freedom issue, where you have all these young folks coming out and voting or turning out because they're like, they don't want their reproductive freedom rights to be taken away and to be able to make those choices for, for themselves. The same thing has happened across the board. So there's different issues that are going to galvanize young people to get out and vote. The gun control, student loan relief, you know, not, not having schools be this ex expensive. And, and all of these issues are issues that you guys are out on the forefront in terms of, you know, beat being for, and it's just a matter of, in some ways, getting the message out to the communities that voting, as you all know, does make this difference, and we can make life better, both in our communities. As the old saying goes, I remember having a bumper sticker, I'm, I'm sure I'm older than most of y'all, but it was like, think globally and act locally, you know, so we think globally, we want to save the planet, but we act locally to make a difference in our communities and, and to get that message out to 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 the folks that you need to get out at the polls. Absolutely. I think part, I'm reading the comments too. Um, I think I want one of the, the um, I actually want either, I want either Jackie or Josh to answer the next question for me as well. Um, I think part of the problem is this too. Once, uh, um, yeah, once we have people, we vote into power, right? What about the ones who they get into power and they get, they get, like I said, they get into power and they get the big head and they then forget about the community and the, 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 it's no longer about the community, it's about their agenda. How do we protect ourselves at the community to know that the people we're putting into position, we can trust them? Like you just, I think someone said earlier, it's about trust. I think that was you, Jackie. It's about trust. So how do we know who to trust? Um, I'm a vulnerable mom, right? My son killed by the police. Um, I thank God who that I have encountered upon my journey. I have, you know, had to boot someone behind or whatnot, but the ones I have encountered, they have been decent enough to be honest with me along my journey. So it is about trust. But how does community begin to trust? Um, that because I don't mean no harm, but a lot of y'all are liars. So that that's just what it is for real, you know. And all of them, the politicians are not honest. So how do we begin as a community to build, build like you know, build that trust so that we can we will give the votes then, but to know that the change, we, we know it can happen overnight, 
But when people get the vote and we see nothing that happens, right? Like Nikki put in the comments here, we got to start digging through information and see, well, damn, y'all get part of the bill? Did you read part of it? Like, and then it gets so watered down. So how do we know to put a trust in the right person to that change will occur? Jackie or Josh, either one of y'all guys. Um, I'll jump in real quick. I, I think every legislator is going to be different. I tried my best to have a very um, transparent office, very accessible. Um, uh, but one of the things that's key, I, I hear in my mind, my mentor, uh, the future Senator Jennifer Carroll Foy, she said, if we can't change your minds, we're going to change your seat. Um, and so what is so important is if we got you there, and that was one of the campaign tactics I used when I first got elected in 2019. I said, hey, I'm from this community. I'm related to, I got 51 million cousins all throughout Fredericksburg. And so <laughs> you feel like you can't get to me. All you got to do is call somebody. I'm sure they'll be related to me or know someone who's related to me. And you all as a community have to hold me accountable. And one lady was like, oh, I like the sound of that, you know? <laughs> and so what, it, you're right, it does happen. People get elected, they get the high head, they get high and mighty, they think they're untouchable. And especially if there's some of these Republicans or Democrats in these deep blue or deep red districts where they may be able to get in and sit in for a while. But what we have to be careful is don't get too comfortable because you may be elected and it may be a safe seat, but there's still primaries. And just because we knocked on doors for you, if you don't help us out and you forget about who we are, we can change jerseys real quick and we will find another person. And if we can't change your mind, we're going to change your seat. And so I want to encourage people to make sure, and I've never had the, the privilege of going through a primary, but Delegate Jackie Glass did, and she was successful in one. <laughs> people have to understand the importance when you see these people show up in the springtime talking about that it's a primary election. That's a prime opportunity for you to find out who these people are running, what they're about, what they stand for, and figure out if you want to back them. Or if there's someone that you're sick and tired of, and you happen to find out this year they have a primary. Find out if that other person is worth supporting and make sure that you can help that other person get in. Um, and keep in mind that all politics are local. That means every person that knocks on your door, maybe they don't knock on your door, but you see their little commercial on TikTok or something like that. All politics are local. And um, we know that Miss Hood is going through a local election right now. Make sure you can get behind people, hold them accountable. If they forget that you put them in office, Go find you another player and switch it up real quick. Amen, amen, amen. Jack, you want to chime in on that bill fast as well? Um, Come on. Yeah, I'll say um, I, I, I overstand the sentiment. <laughs> I overstand the sentiment. I truly, truly do. Um, uh, but part of that, uh, that level, again, of accountability, I cannot say this enough because I was on the other side of this. I'm speaking to someone as I was active duty for 11 years. I, I can tell you, I voted one time while I was on active duty. When I got off active duty, I was like, eh, uh, I guess I should start voting. I guess like I never was, I'm serious. I was never dug in, um, but I started doing that when it mattered and having running into that same issue. I voted for this person, but, but wait, you said this and now you're this. It is important for us to know what we are holding people accountable for. Like we have to, the, the, the thing, at least I find that many people that I think the folks in the comments are talking about is it's like, 
um, I have to redirect people several times and say, I, I hear you barking up that tree. It's just not the right tree. It's just, it's just not the right tree. And this is why that person is over there getting away with this because you're at this tree and, and you're not going to get anything done there. So we as elected, at least I take it as a personal responsibility to educate, advocate, celebrate, and legislate. And I can't do that last piece well without doing those first three very brilliantly. Everything starts with education. So I'm going to tell you how to hold them accountable. And I would encourage those folks that are saying, well, I, they, they need to hold, ask them, what does it look, tell me what your job is. What does it mean to hold you accountable? What, get some, and I told you, like, they're like, what did someone say to me the other day? The lady said, um, um, I said, she said, I'm gonna hold you to it. I said, tell me what holding me to it looks like for you. Um, I want you to support that. So tell me what support looks like for you. Cause sometimes we have different working de definitions as to what support is, what you're holding me accountable for. So we've got to do a better job of getting on the same page. And I'm saying that me as a, as a constituent, I'm somebody's constituent of what, what does that look like? Um, you mentioned about reading bills. I have to say this, right? As a newly elected official is that there is so much that comes across our desk. Um, there are, there are thousands, I just want to say this to, to everyone, we are very fortunate that we are not the federal government in the Commonwealth of Virginia, where we only open one piece of code section at a time, which means we're not getting those big, thick bills that got 16, 17, 20, 100 different things in it, about 17 different things. So we do have the opportunity to sort of get down into to, to, uh, the work. However, there's a lot of trust that we put in each other. I think um, uh, uh, for Delegate Cole said previously that, hey, I was on this committee and this committee when I served, right? He started off by saying that, that we get specialty areas and our colleagues are dependent on us to, when we're in that specialty area, to read about it, write about it, talk about it, get them, get them in the know to know how they're voting. So I will tell you, I will be honest with y'all because I believe in radical transparency. I don't get the luxury of reading every single thing I wrote, write uh, our vote on to a T. I do not have that luxury. I have a finite amount of time. I am heavily weighing on my uh, colleagues sometimes to say, hey, what, what's, okay, give me the rundown. That's where you come in as a citizenry. When people are emailing me about this thing, like they're like, if I get two emails about something, I'm like, all right, pull it up. Pull, pull it up. Let's let's take a look at it. That you are a mm -hmm. part of this process. Mm -hmm. Like you guys are a huge piece of helping. Applying the pressure. Yes, you're so important because this is the mm -hmm. thing. I am not brilliant on every issue. Every issue isn't near and dear to my heart, but I'm going to listen more, talk less, and be attentive to what my community issues are and try to stay directed towards that. But I need it for you. If trees are your ish, and there is a tree bill that talks about putting trees on city book buildings or state buildings that I need you to go ahead and say, yo, delegate, uh, it ain't got to be a perfect email or perfect phone call. I need you to support this bill because it does X, Y, and Z. And I want to thank you for that because I need you. Like we genuinely need you all in this um, space. And um, I think Mr. Coles put it, put it perfectly is we have to be in a space where we see our neighbor as our elected official. The unfortunate thing is that there is this idea of what an elected official looks like, what their background is, where it come from. I had a fourth grader look at me and said, I didn't know you could be um, a politician and have a nose ring and ring earrings all in your ear and wear sneakers. Girl, 
You absolutely could. So like we have to redefine because sometimes it is our neighbor or ourselves that is probably the right one to take on that person that we all sick and tired of, but we just don't see ourselves in that place. So that takes one thing, seeing that I'm, I'm the one, but also friends, y'all got to show up and financially back your friend because no money, no mission. Y'all want to be on a mission to, so that there's that. So I just would say start, the best thing to do is start seeing yourself in this place. There's no degree to prepare you for this. There is no specific lived experience that can prepare you for this. It is you. It is your lived experiences that make you the best person for your community. Um, and that's, that's it. Sorry. Just as you said as well, too, like uh, there is, we have a perception of what politicians are supposed to look like, right? Um, when I found out that Adrian was running in her, um, her area, I was like, ooh, you know, I was like, okay, she's a black woman. You know, like she's doing her thing. Not only is she a black woman, but she's an impacted mother who is running for a different kind of fight. You hear all the time that people, um, especially impacted moms, their protocol is we do like, uh, we'll do a business or whatever. And certain things, but when it comes to running for an office, we don't do that. Adrian, I want you to kind of tap in on as far as uh, the challenges you have faced um, just coming into office or just trying to get into positions that you can get that. I know a lot of times too, I feel like when we don't have, I know Cole, we've been doing this for a while, um, for some years now. I don't see pictures of you from like a little teenager to when you got older. So I think with different people have different community support, it is it looks different. Um, I think when your fight comes in because you possibly are impacted, your support may look different um, and you might not get that support behind you to come into power. Adrian, can you kind of tap in on what your fight has looked like as far as um, running the office as right now? Yeah, um, so it definitely um, looks different depending on um, what part of the community um, I'm in, you know, especially especially with those that know my story and think that um, I am running uh, specifically because I hate police, um, which is couldn't be further um, from the truth. <laughs> um, I am all for accountability, but everybody has a job um, to do. Right. I'm retired military, so it's not, you know, it, it, there, there's some there's some similarities um, in there to a to a degree. Um, our accountability actually happens in the military most of the time. Um, but as far as um, as far as as running, and I apologize if y'all can hear my dog; he's having a fit because I made him go outside. Um, but um, as far as me running, um, obviously, I um, am not an endorsed candidate. Um, for for many reasons, and I think uh, Mr. Cole brought it up uh, a little bit ago about the deep blue, um, and and what that ends up looking like um, for a community. Um, it definitely has its pros, but it also has its cons because it uh, keeps people um, who have a heart for the people out of um, out of the space. And, um, and that's very unfortunate, you know, um, back in 20, uh, in 2020, um, I was recruited to run for central committee, had no idea uh, what it was um, and what the responsibilities were for it. Um, but in, um, in, in coming into that space um, and learning, you know, what it entailed, I thought that I would be able to participate in um, 
and endorsing candidates that were really, you know, for the community, only to learn that um, it's interesting. <laughs> it, is very, it is very interesting, um, that endorsement process. You know, it's the, it's the meeting behind the meeting and the other meeting that you have to be in to be a part of the endorsement <laughs> process, um, which is, you know, can be, it, it's very frustrating, um, you know, to say the least. And so um, I have gotten a lot of support um, from the community. And I have also uh, gotten from people in the community, um, especially that are connected to the party in some kind of way that they support what I am doing. They are glad that I am doing it, um, but they cannot support me um, publicly and they cannot uh, support me on paper, meaning they cannot do donations, obviously, because you can pull finance reports at any given time. Um, so, you know, so that's, that's definitely um, been a challenge. Um, I've gotten more support um, from outside of our community financially. I've gotten more support um, from outside um, the community than, you know, than inside. But, you know, we're going to keep um, chipping away. Um, and, and I'm gonna give it, you know, all that I, all that I have, uh, because I do believe that I have been called to this place. Um, do I know, I mean, obviously I don't know that I'm going to win, but I do know that I've been called to this space. And, um, and with that, you know, I carry the, the heart of God with me everywhere, um, that I go, I am a servant leader. And, um, and that's what I will always be. I will not apologize um, for that or um, cower down. And a lot of times that has been um, the sentiment and the expectation. Um, you know, our party kind of is it, set up basically, if we don't call you, you don't come. And, um, and then there's consequences for when you do. So, I don't know what this is going to look like um, on the other side. I just know that, you know, right now uh, um, the finances, you know, obviously with any um, with any um, campaign, you know, can it can make or break the campaign. Right. Um, it it can, the, the, the success of a campaign can land right there. And um and so with that, you know, we, we're being very um, strategic about how we um, spend our resources and, um, you know, and just continue to get, to get out there. Uh, but it has definitely uh, been interesting, all of the things uh, that I have been learning um, about um, the political space, you know, in, in and of itself. And, um, and I like to say um, here in Columbus, if you don't do your job, we will vote you out. And I will do everything that I can to make sure that I uphold that promise. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Like I said, so I think again, just, just to hold them, that, that slogan should be used everywhere, right? Just like Jackie was saying just now, um, each week we have a call or action that we flash on the screen for the, the person who is telling the story for that day. The call of action normally will highlight whatever delegate or whatever person is in the office or that time frame who needs to be called to apply action. Jackie just says on the call, y'all heard it. They get those emails. So 
they're either they're ignoring us or they're not even reading the emails. But clearly, she just said they're getting the emails. So I think part of it, like um, Jack was saying as well as our agency too, is applying pressure goes both ways. When we have the people who are in office who are making the change, we have to still hold them accountable, right? And then we have people like Adrian who currently run for office. We have to still, as people, still hold ourselves accountable and applying the pressure and providing the community support so that she can win. A win for her is a win for everybody. I'm an impacted mom. So just imagine another impacted mom winning the seat in office. I don't give a damn if she was born for the treasurer. I don't care. It lets me know, too, that I can possibly do something in my community and she can educate me as well as for time to move forward. We have to also stop hoarding information. Um, I had a conversation with a mom this morning as far as when it comes to just voting and just hoarding information and whatnot, right? We have to be able to tell each other how we can move forward. If there are bills out here that are being passed that we don't know about, but you know people are supporting these bills, tell somebody about it. We can't get a support on it. You're not telling each other what's going on in the community. So I think that's right. That goes with voting as well. Um, I, want, I want to touch on two real fast. As far as when it goes to, I've seen so many people that be in office for like 30 and 40 and 50 years. How is that possible? Like, please explain to me how, especially again, I'm going to go back to Jim Crow era, okay? Because that's what we're coming off of. So if we know we got people sitting in office for 50 some odd years, y'all know good and bad on well. He was sitting in office when they had those signs up for colored people only. So I'm confused as to how people like that can still sit in the office and we do nothing about it. Like, come on, all not at one time, let's go. Help me, I need to understand this. Okay, I'll go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, get it. Right. You know, I, I come at it down both ways on this because I mean, look, I, I love Bernie Sanders. I don't know what y'all think about him, but you know, I, I supported Bernie Sanders. He was, um, you know, he's been there forever. You know, I mean, AOC, you know, how is, you know, how she, she may not win in other districts, but she is a voice that should be heard in Congress. And so if you have an unreasonably short term limit, you're also cutting out what could be effective voices for change too. So I, you know, I, I empathize with what you're saying, Latoya. I, I think, you know, you know, I, I, I understand that, you know, when you've got someone like Mitch McConnell, it's like, okay, that guy has got to go. I mean, you know, I mean, he, <laughs> it's more what he stands for than the length of time in office. Is someone else just going to replace him that's going to be so hostile to democracy and the rule of law and are, you know, the proper appointed of Supreme Court ju judges? Yeah has, you know, totally changed the landscape of our country where you've got a Republican, unfortunately, these folks do vote in, in, in as Supreme Court justices. So, I mean, in terms of the point of emphasis of what we as, you know, thinking, caring individuals who are either trying to run for office or trying to impact those who run for office, I think the more, I, to me, the more important focus is, is, is on the issues rather than trying to artificially constrain the length of time that people can be in office. And I, I know there's great arguments on the other side, but I do wonder, I do worry about what happens to our progressive leaders if they too are termed out. I will say I walked into this uh, 
this work like I do not want a gerontocracy okay like a gerontocracy is a, st- a society ruled by old folks right like hello <laughs> I don't want a gerontocracy however I'll say when I when I I've they've done two sessions and again my lens is very limited to those two sessions is that um the first one was really difficult for me right still having to operate kind of I was I felt like I was nobody's choice, right? I was kind of an outsider on the inside, if that made any sense. And one of the older delegates who had been there forever, who is retiring at this point, who I was like, yo, he, yo, he's been here since the 70s. Y'all like, what is he doing here? Like, he just chilling. Is he awake? You know, like having these conversations. But it was his wisdom, even listening to his departure speech, right? Knowing he had to go, he pulled me aside the second session I was there. And I don't know what he saw. Don't know what he saw. He's been there forever. And he said, I want to tell you something, Jackie. You're a free agent and you should operate like one. And I was like, he's like, I've been here a long time. He said, when the Democrats were Dixiecrats, he's like, I'm going to tell you, you are a free agent. And I, I I guess I didn't have appreciation for how he had watched the body change, how he had seen whippersnappers in a sense, and how he was holding in a hand and still trying to be sort of a mentor leader to those coming into what could be a very intimidating place. So I walked in like, all of these old people got to (laughs) go. And then sort of grew to understand that they too are a, a piece of our society. Right. And that they, too, deserve some form of representation like it is it is a there is a bridge that we're trying to build with five generations right now in the workforce now doing things. And I think they all deserve to be there. Uh, But, James, I think you articulate a sentiment very, very, very well is that when they're bad on the issues, I don't care how long they've been there. Bye. Right. Like when, (laughs) you know, um, and that's relative. But that's the that is the beauty of what we have set up is that a good thing could not last. I mean, a bad thing doesn't have to last forever. A good thing won't last forever. And that's, you know, I think Miss um, Hood understands that with the military mindset. Uh, but some people like their person, the mission, they like their people and they're going to have represent. And all we again, we cannot change the entire body. We cannot change the entire world. We got to hone in on who represents us and making sure they got the team players to, to make sure that they are able to do what they need to do and that who represents are be selfish about this too, right? My state, my neighborhood, my, is the uh-huh. person I have who I want, right? Um, but to the point, you gotta have, you gotta have enough butts and seats to get the things that we want, like-minded people in those seats to get on mass the sort of things that we may want to see that are in line with our values. I want to jump in real quick. I think I'm in line with uh, Delegate Glass and with James that I I, I stand for uh, term limits for, for certain instances. Um, but I remember when I first got elected, I took this selfie. It was me and three other delegates. When I was 15 years old, I worked for the General Assembly as a page. They hired these middle schoolers to work for the General Assembly every year. So when I was 15, I worked with a page. I was a page. And when I got elected in 2019, I took a selfie with four of the delegates I served as a page who were still in the House of Delegates. This is some 15 years later, y'all, and they were still there. <laughs> but mind you, my delegate before me 
had been my delegate my entire life. I lived in the same district for 30 years and we had the same delegate from 1988 all the way until 2018. And so I think it's key that we have uh, term limits for, you know, to protect people. But at the same time, some of these people carry institutional knowledge. Many people don't know that the General Assembly in Virginia is about to go over the highest turnover it has ever seen in modern history. That means some of the old school senators who know how the system works for our, for our good, some of the old school delegates who know how the system works for our good are not gonna be coming back in January. And so we're gonna have a bunch of new folks coming in who don't know how this system works. And as Delegate Glass told you, we get tens of thousands of pieces of legislation to go through in 60 days. And if people don't have the institutional knowledge to say, let me let me steer you this way. I remember my first committee, Delegate Mark Keem, who hadn't been there forever. He's only been there for a couple of years. He said, hey, this is how you should do this. This is how you should do that. I'm not telling you you should do it. I'm saying this is my suggestion to you because it'll be easier for you to get through these pieces of legislation and it'll be easier for you to pay attention to how it's going on. If we lose those coaches, if we lose those people, we lose the fight that we have because we get too lost in the system and it hurts us and it ends up hurting us and then it hurts our people. So I do think some people need to get rid of, kick them out, boot them out, change their seats. But then there are some of these, you know, old sages, these old shepherds that we need to help us guide us uh, through this system. <laughs> I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying get rid of all the old geezers. I'm just saying like the ones who you know that like, if there's something in the world that you have, let's see, okay, like police brutality, and I don't care what color the person may be. It can be purple, yellow, green, whatever. If you have someone sitting in the office and each time they're presenting a case police brutality and they never indict an officer, to me, that's community concern. There's no way in the world they're working for like, the greater good of the community when each time you're saying the officer is always right and you're sitting in the office for 50 my years. Um, I, I, again, like you said, I think you said, what did you call it? Term? What did you say it was called? Uh, term something. Term limits. Term limits. Term limits. I agree with that too as well. As in the same position you have for the president's election, right? They can get two terms and they start for a certain amount of years. I feel like that should be the same thing. But I, I also find too, I think we do have limits here, but I think the problem is that we have people who are running unopposed. Yeah. So when they run unopposed all this period of time, there's no way in the world that we can make change when no one's stepping up to do the right thing. Go ahead, Roxanne. Yeah, and I was going to say the other thing that some of these districts are so heavily gerrymandered that it almost guarantees that they get reelected. And I, for one, and I'm going to speak for the old people in the group because I'm an old people, <laughs> that it's not so much your age that matters, but it's where your thought processes that matter. And so mm -hmm. looking at their, le their legislative record, see, this ain't no, mm -hmm. this ain't no checkers, mm -hmm. this is chess. Looking at right. the legislative record and see how they've been voting since the last time you vote had a chance to vote for them. And if how they've been voting don't match with what you want, guess what? You have the power to not vote for them and vote for somebody new like a Miss Glass or Mr. Cole or some other person that might be more in tune with what you want. Because, see, we ain't got no permanent uh, favorites. We only have permanent issues. That's it. That's it. That's it. And, and again, I'm going to say, too, we have to begin to recognize people in our community who are going to help you fight for your change. Um, Y'all know, I, I, I still cuss a lot. I'm always cuss. 
I was a cousin something something when Zayfer got killed, but I still had people like that with Nicole who was willing to, and I'm talking about, he knows. I will text him. I don't care. And he he's a married man. I'm a married woman too. But I have I, when I when I'm feeling I have to do things on the legislative side. I wanted somebody who can look like me who actually knows what they're doing, right? So it's important to keep people like that in power. That's important. We can't let people come in office or whatnot who just want to come and take a seat because they want to have um their their face, you know, in the church on kids' babies or whatnot. It's really important to apply the power behind the people. So I do believe in that too. Like I said, too, time limits is a real thing. We should not have people in office for 50 some odd years, like Roxanne just said. It's y'all know the mindset is still the same. I don't care how much they say that you got something black within your family. So what? Your mindset is still the same when you're still stuck in that Jim Crow era. That's how I feel. Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, we have really been um, enjoying this conversation. We ain't gonna keep y'all all night. We know y'all got other things to do, but uh, we want to just um, quickly kind of wrap this up. We're gonna do a rapid fire around the the circle, right, um, around the square, and see, you know, what one thing would you like to leave us with? We've been talking about um, impacting life after the impact. Our our um, session this evening has been about voting and accountability. What one thing would you want to leave our um, listening audience with this evening? And I'll start with um, my sister up here in the circle, Miss um, Ward. What one thing would you like to, and then you can toss it to whomever. Thank you so much. Um, I want to leave a million things <laughs> because <laughs> we, and I mean, um, be, because it's a lot, but if there's one thing I want to leave everyone with, it, it, of course, as a candidate right now, uh, running in the 25th, newly drawn 25th district here in Virginia, it, it's going to be to vote and to get involved. But I will honestly say, and what I would personally like to see as a candidate, especially an activist um, that has turned into a politician is I would like to see more PACs and more political action committees um, started by families who've been impacted by police. I think for me, it would have been an absolute honor to be endorsed by a PAC that had a question that stated, Jalicia, do you support qualified or oppose qualified immunity? And what would that look like for you? And that way, it is easier to hold your candidates who are running more accountable and to find out who you're going to support or not, right? So for example, I'm endorsed by Planned Parenthood. You know, everybody knows that we are the last Southern state without a ban for reproductive freedom. That's very, very, that's a very important issue to me. Anybody else that wants to protect our rights for reproductive freedom could look at my endorsement and say, we know that when she gets to Richmond, she's gonna stand on that. Right. Because she's endorsed by a political action committee that is going to hold her accountable for that. So we need more political action committees of impacted families by police. That way I can say I'm endorsed by them. This is what they're doing to assist my campaign. And when I get to Richmond, they are going to hold me accountable before I even get to be held accountable by my communities. Right. It would be an honor to have that. And so if anything, that is something moving forward that I would like to see and, and, and definitely 100% be a part of because I think that it's easier transparency 
for our constituents to kind of look down the line through endorsements and can say, can honestly figure out who um, and how and, and what they want to support. So at the end of the day, it's always vote. It's always get involved and stay involved because this, don't wait till it comes knocking on at your door. Don't wait until it comes knocking on your door. I tell everybody this because when it comes knocking on your door, you're going to learn law the hard way. And it is painful. I have learned legislation through pain of families, impacted families here in Virginia, right? That's why I'm, that's why I'm in this seat now, because I can't unexperience that level of trauma and pain that I have been through with these families. Don't wait for something to happen to you or your family member. Get involved now. It is our responsibility to build this democracy of what we want in our country. It's on us. The power, and I say this in every protest and everywhere, it has always been with the people. So I'm going to leave you guys with that. Power is with the people. Policy should be with people. Politics should be with people. And make sure that you're supporting candidates who stand 10 toes down on that. That's right. That's right. 10 toes, 10 toes. Who would you like to toss it to? So, oh, goodness. Okay, I'm going to toss it to Cole. <laughs> Sorry, y'all. I got myself worked up. <laughs> Well, uh, thank you so much to Life After the Impact, to uh, Toya, to everyone for being on and those who watching who are watching virtually. Thank you so much. Um, I, I guess I want to leave you all with this one thing. I hate to be uh, the negative Nancy or, the, or the, the downer in the party, but everyone to understand that our freedoms are under attack um, from every direction. Republican leaderships, and don't get me wrong, even some of our Democratic leaders are directly attacking our freedoms. And the only way we can fight this battle is by making sure that we are engaged, we're staying up to speed on what's going on. And listen, I'm not saying that you have to know exactly what bill, each and every bill number and how each piece of the law works. No, I'm just saying, make sure we're staying up to speed on what's going on. Get a group of people together and have one person who loves doing the research, who can do the research and tell, hey, I need the 10 of y'all to send this email. Let that person write the email and all y'all gotta do is just change your name and send it out but make sure that we are up to speed and engaged. And the problem is people in power understand that we can't keep up to speed. We're working families, we're working parents. Some of us, especially if you live in Northern Virginia, you're commuters. So by the time you get up to work, get back home, you're tired. You don't have time to all of that. And so the people in power know how to stay in power. But I hear Ayanna Presley saying right now, the people closest to the pain need to be closest to the power. And so we need Lottie Dottie and everybody to be involved, be engaged, and fight to make sure that our freedoms are protected. And it begins at the ballot box. It begins on the computer. It begins by having conversations in your community with your family members. And maybe you don't care about politics, but find a friend who does so they can keep you up to speed on what's going on. Because if they can keep you out of the, listen, if they keep you out of the room, I love um, the musical Hamilton. And they said one of my favorite songs in Hamilton is in the room where it happens. If they keep you out of the room where it happens, then you're the one being discussed. And so, you know, hey, we saw what just happened with that folding chair down in Alabama. Get you a folding chair if you're not at the table. <laughs> Pull up a folding chair, have a seat and make sure your voice is heard. That's what I want to leave y'all with tonight. And just real fast, Cole, before you pass, and like I said, like you said, you guys, all get that folding chair and kind of get the Alabama energy as well. Because <laughs> look, I don't know how I'm trying to thought messing with you. That's stupid. I know I was going to say, going back to the phones app, to again, y'all already said, we have to stop trying to reinvent the wheel, right? 
if you have somebody who has one template and they're using that same template to write different uh, senators and delegates or not, use that same template. Just tweak it a little bit. Change the names. You don't have nobody's asking to be Einstein and y'all, we don't have to say, well, they, I wrote this. Who cares? Is it getting to the right person? That is the right thing you want to make sure of or whatnot. And like you said, again, get 10 friends. Y'all got Facebook friends. It's a free social media website. Actually, for the morning time, can you please? And guess what? If you guys have Gmail, you're actually able to schedule your emails out. So you don't have no excuse. If you have the template or not, schedule it out for the emails going every single day that the pressure is still being applied. All right, Cole, who you want to throw it to? I'm going to toss it over to the honorable gentlewoman from Norfolk, Delegate Jackie Glass. <laughs> yes. Goodness. I was going to say, no vote, no vote. Just but um, so the things that I, my lasting words, um, as Ms. Ward said, uh, no money, no mission right? Uh, that is very, that is a thing. People want to talk about money in politics. I can assure you as a broke candidate, um, there were places that I won't be able to go to if I, because I just won't be respected for not having money in my bank account. I'm comfortable with that, but I also know that it's a service to the people I represent to ensure that I am fundraising in a way that makes sense. And that allows me to be able to show up. It's real. And Miss A. Hood said it too, right? Like it, it does take, so if you could give $5 a month to, to Miss Hood, right? You believe in her, give her five bucks, right? A month, like it goes somewhere. Like for us, $3 will send out seven text messages. I mean, a dollar will send out like three text messages, something like that. So just like we do, we, you want to talk, we, everybody wants to hold that ugly piece, but out like, you know, a, a dime helps. So like no money, no mission. Um, Mr. Colstray said it, you know, um, you don't have to like politics, which most days I'm not a fan of politics either, but you better for damn sure like some policy because our entire <laughs> life legislated. You put on a seatbelt, you get worked overtime, all these things, our entire lives are legislated. So find that thing. It ain't even got to be a big thing. You ain't got to hold all the issues in your hand. Pick that tiny thing, be brilliant on it and hold someone accountable for it, right? The tiny things. Um, lastly, I'll say, uh, or no, second to lastly, I'll say, um, don't expect anything that you won't inspect, right? Like that's real. Like I do run into people that have these real expectations of me and I'm here for it and they have it for other leaders. And they're like, Jackie, why can't we get these people? But we can't expect things that we're not ruling to, to, to collectively go back and check up on to make sure that they're happening, happening. And that's, that's a, a, for me, that's a military mindset. I'm not going to ask for nothing and I can go back and check to make sure it doesn't happen. That piece, that's personal accountability in this process because you all are important. And I say this so many times, we need you, we need you, we need you. I genuinely need you to tell me stuff because I say, assume I know nothing. Just make that assumption. And, and, and if I do know, and I hear it 16 times, I needed to hear it those 16 times. And please, and thank you. Um, lastly, village is a verb, right? It is an act. And I think we're all sort of trying to find our, our village in this process. We're trying to find our people and the small acts that we do. And I, if you do not know your neighbor, civic responsibility, like voting, all this stuff, sometimes all start with just knowing the person right across the street from you. And then being connected to the person on the left and the right of you. And then y'all caring about your daggum block. And saying, you know what, they need to pick our trash up on time and we're going to advocate that way. And it spreads. It trickles out to these things. We get we do that. We, we hold 
hold people responsible for the things that matter to us. So that goes back to find your thing. Help us help you. Um, and everybody's not going to help you. We can't make a determination of what people will do when they get power. Uh, but when someone shows you, you know, we believe them and we take the hopefully the necessary steps. But thank you for whoever's here. And thank you, Toya. Thank you, Ms. Roxanne, for being conveners because we do need this. We need all kinds of spaces to convene in to have this back and forth uh, of doing hopefully better things because right is kind of relative at this point, right? We're just trying to do better things. I will Again, like you said too, just real fast, I want to shine and just real fast. Um, I want I want to reiterate. I, I like I love how you keep saying, let you know what's going on. A lot of times we assume you guys know what's going on sometimes because we think you watch the news, we watch the news too. But we don't know that you know what's going on or not. So I think it's important. Like he said, so we got to hold ourselves accountable too for the follow-up. If I call your office on Monday, I'm going to give you a couple of days to read the emails. I heard you said you might be kind of busy. I hear you. But on Friday, I'm calling you again. What's up? You got my email, you know, because you not only tell me that we can do that, but I feel like people who are in office, we got to hold y'all accountable. All right, y'all have to, you're in office for a reason, right? So I appreciate you really been saying that because I think a lot of oftentimes people get into office and we're like, well, damn, I sent this email over and nobody responded back. But often too, we don't, we will send the email over and we, we're like, well, they, they got it. No, we got to still follow up on our own stuff, also still follow up. That's super important. Go ahead, Jackie. I'm sorry. I didn't even cut you off. I was, I was passing the mic, but to your point, it is one of me and it is 84,000 people that I'm representing. It, okay. Like it's one, 84,000. Okay. I need some grace, but also <laughs> I do. I need people hitting the streets because as we move up, and that's what I think people, as Julissa said, from an activist to the politician, I think they don't. There's a level of understanding that as we move up, we lose clarity on the ground, and that's why you become so important on the ground to keep us connected to the ground. Because I'm, I'm, you've asked me to take on more responsibility which means I'm going to need you to check on that neighbor or two and then make sure if something's not happening, you let me know. So I'll stop there and pass it to Miss A. Hood. Thank you. Thank you. This has been awesome. Um, I absolutely appreciate um, being in the space with such amazing people. Um, what I would leave everyone with is you can do it too. I think uh, Ms. Glass said it earlier, we have a visual of what we think um, an elected official is supposed to look like, where they're supposed to come from, the educational background that they're supposed to have. And I am here to tell you that you can do it too. And we absolutely need you. If you want to do the work, you got a heart for the people and you're willing to get in there and, and, and be that voice, be bold and use your voice. And, and like uh, Jaleesa said, stand your 10 toes down because sometimes you might have to stand by yourself and still be courageous and bold enough to do that knowing that God will sustain you and keep you in that decision, you can do it too. I didn't think, and honestly, I didn't ask. 
to be in this space, to be doing this thing. But it's necessary because as um, as uh, Ms. Glass just said, when you're in a space for a certain amount of time, there's still a responsibility to the people, but you're disconnected because of the mission and the responsibilities that they have now. She said one of her 84,000 that she represents. It'll be one of me and almost 100,000 people in my district. So that connection is necessary, but I also believe get too far above yourself and God will make you eat humble pie. Out of here. <laughs> he will make <laughs> you eat humble pie. So, <laughs> you know, remember, remember who you are, whose you are, and why you're in the positions that you're in, and why you chose to serve the people, and let God minister to your heart as you do the work that you do. But at the end of the day, if I can do it, you can do it too. And we need you. We need you. God bless you. Closing remarks from you. And I'm so sorry. My campaign manager would have a real fit if she watching. If I didn't say AdrianHood.com. A D R I E N N E. Hood, H-O-O-D dot com. And with that, I'm going to pass it to Mr. James. Now, God bless you. <laughs> last James, before you, got, before you say your last words, y'all, don't just um, look at her page and scroll past it. Make a donation, seriously. Uh, these campaigns cost money. And, it's, and she's not rich, you know what I'm saying? No one out here is rich when they go into politicians or whatnot. So please, if you even got 50 cents, you got $2, donate. If you can't donate, Share with your rich friend. Somebody got some money to donate to it. Nah, that's the whole thing. We have to be able to finance what's going on. So you got Adrian on the board. We have different people up here who are currently running office, um, but it's important to support the campaign. Adrian, one more time, what is the website? It is adrianhood.com. That's A-D-R-I-E-N-N-E-H-O-O-D.com. Oh, somebody is quick with it. It would have taken yeah, forever. <laughs> Thank it's God all right. for people. <laughs> and Adrian, is there a button on there for um to do? Yeah, it is. This is red. I see it up the top. So if I can see it and I got to sweat my glasses on, y'all can see it too. Please visit her website and please donate to the cause. We talk about all the time about putting the right people in power and, um, you know, helping them to apply the pressure. So this is ways we can donate and you can also share to her campaign. All right, James, can you want to go ahead and close this out as well, please? Yo, thank you very much for including me. I mean, this is a really inspiring panel and thank you all of you for being on the front lines and making a difference in your communities. And I'll definitely be try, trying to help out. Um, you know, for all of us who are um, not running for office, I mean, know your representatives, email and your phone number. When those issues come up, 
don't be afraid to reach out to folks and, and let them know. And yeah, I mean, maybe Jackie Glass or Josh Cole or Jaleesia Ward or Adrian Hood might already be on those issues. But, you know, there might be people who are on the fence. So reach out to them, get your friends and neighbors who are in their communities, find out who's living where. Hey, I, I've been when I was trying to pass, uh, get this legislation passed, I was calling my buddies. Hey, you live in the Valley, you know, San Fernando Valley, call your representative because they're not going to listen to me like they're going to listen to you. So try to make those connections. I'll just leave with one sort of different thing. And that's, you know, voting is so important, but you never have more power than when you're on a jury. There, your vote is one of 12 or one of eight. And I'm a trial lawyer. I go in and I represent families um, who have been impacted. I do, you know, uh, employment discrimination and, and these police misconduct cases. And people who have been out there protesting in favor of George Floyd against police brutality, when the judge asked, does anybody think that they might not be able to be fair? You know, those folks tend to raise their, well, I was in this march or something. No, you could still be fair. You know, just because you stood against police brutality, which is against the law, doesn't mean that you're not a fair-minded person and can judge this case on its facts. So at least let the other guy, the city attorney or whoever's on the other side, get rid of you on one of the preparatory challenges instead of you just getting yourself off jury for cause because it's convenient. There is no greater service than rendering justice in a court of law, because believe me, the people who support the police and will never vote against a police officer in their mind, oh, they can be fair. <laughs> you know, they'll never think that they're unfair. So show up for jury duty and make sure that, you know, don't sell yourself short. You can be a fair-minded juror, even if you're against police brutality, because anybody who's fair should be against police brutality. So that's uh, my, my, my last word. And thank you so much for all the great work that all of you are doing. Thank you. I think that's a, that goes with what Sam will say as um, utilizing all the tools in the toolbox, right? Because a lot of people are like, well, I don't like doing jury duty, but that's, that's true. We talk all the time about these cases where they have the cases and we talk about an all-white jury. Well, we none of us have signed up for jury duty. That's why it's an all-white jury, right? So we mm -hmm. have to use all our, utilize all our tools in the toolbox. So I'm going to say a couple of ending words real fast, too. Um, I want to just thank you guys from the bottom of my heart for one, Ride along the journey with us um, for the fight for impact. I want to also thank you guys too for being realistic people and not being phonies. Um, because you know, I'm gonna call you out because, like I said, that's part of what, what, it's, what it's about. You know, we're holding people accountable because we want this vote, but we want to make sure that you're doing the right thing behind the people. So I thank you guys, uh, Cole, Jalicia, Jackie, uh, Adrian. I thank you guys for all let, allowing me to invade your space and ask you a thousand questions. Because you know, I love that questions. But I also appreciate you too if you guys don't have the answer. If you say, I don't have the answer, but you're referencing someone else who does have the answer. It's about building community. I had a quote that said, we live in neighborhoods now. We don't live in communities anymore. We have to learn how to build our communities back up in order to build the power. You buy a house in a neighborhood, but how does your community look? If your community is suffering or whatnot, then we're all suffering. So I want to thank you guys uh, for joining us tonight. Roxanne, what you got for me? I just want to echo your sentiments, Latoya. Thank each and every one of you. Keep um keep doing the work that you're doing. We're gonna do everything we can to promote you, including um using our um financial resources because that's very important. And the thing that I really um took out of 
of of um and and we want to follow up on is is creating a pact. I, I I like that idea because you know what a pact will do. I'm gonna put it try to put it where the ghost can get it here. Is it will move us from being a side dish to being the main meal. <laughs> Not the side and, dish. No, I don't like being the side piece. Me personally, I got to be the whole meal. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so having a pack will be a a a, a powerful way that we can make ensure that the people that we're promoting or we're um, endorsing is making us a priority because we're speaking on just not just ten voices or hundred voices. A pack can be a whole lot, hundreds of thousands of people, actually, right? And so, yeah, thank you for that. Thank you for that. And thank each and every one of you for taking time out. We, 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 um, we appreciate you so much. We, we wish that everything successful, prosperity, not just prosperity, but the prosperity for the people, right? And uh, this has been Life After the Impact. We thank you. Hold on, Roxanne, real fast. So we hang yes. up. <laughs> I got one thing. I got up. one thing before we wrap up. I want to flash across the screen. Um, as we said, everyone uh, who are on this panel, except for James, they're currently either in office or running for office. For office it yeah. is important for you guys to visit these pages. Yes. If you visit a page, if you can donate, if you can't, that's fine. But please share it. Not only share these pages, but please learn who is currently running in your office in your state as well and share and also get involved. So if you could just real fast run through the pages. Um, we got Josh Cole up here. I'm just gonna go real fast for all the pages so people can see. Um, um yep, just real fast. Jackie Glass, Jalicia. There's Jackie's page as well. So as you guys can all see, you can go in your own free time, um, go online. Look the candidates up and also figure out where they stand at on the issues that you have as well. You know, they're not for you, that's fine. Go with somebody else and still be involved. You guys, this has been Life After the Impact. Please join us every Tuesday. Next week will be on at 9 o'clock. Please join us with as well. You guys, thank you so much again. Life After the Impact. Y'all have a great night. Have a great night. Thank you so much for joining us. Honestly, like you said, you've been in the fight for six years. Um, it is, um, I had a horrible day today, horrible, horrible day today, right? Um, as y'all know, we have filed a Xavier's case, and the judge is going to, the judge is pretty much going to grant cause our immunity for the truth, right? As Roxanne was saying today, I have to learn too, this is the bluff. Um, it's like a punch in the gut, but I'm going to have to go like this. It kind of pick it back up and keep moving forward. I got to learn how to strategize to be able to move forward. That's what the fight is about. It's about a sprint. It's a marathon. Um, I got my cup of water, right? I drank that water. And I'm still running on because I know I got to keep moving forward. A lot of times with our cases, what I'm running is that we fight for justice. We're not fight. We fight for our kids, yes. We're fighting for the injustice going on in the world right now on a daily basis. This podcast hopefully will move somebody to understand just because that DA told you 10 years ago we're not going to indict. His ass going to be almost or more approach the new DA. The letter Oscar wrote to the DA, I'm telling y'all, was something very simple. When he poured his heart into that note, it was like a note and told him what he wanted. We have to do the exact same thing. We can talk all day long, be in the streets of our poor hearts all day long, but are you applying the right? pressure to the right person. If you're not, there's no point. 